When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This show is brought to you by K Jewelers. Listen up, NFL fans. K just dropped a collection of officially licensed NFL jewelry. Shop your favorite team in the True Fans Fine Jewelry Collection at K.com slash truefans. Gear up for the season and celebrate the love of the game with K. Wounded Warrior Project is working to foster the most successful generation of veterans in our nation's history. One of the ways they do that is through adaptive sports. Veterans are some of the most resilient people on the planet. It's not about what you can't do after experiencing injury or illness. It's about tapping into what you can do. Learn more about how Wounded Warrior Project's adaptive sports programs are changing lives at www.woundedwarriorproject.org sports. This is a podcast from Minute Media. It's about to go. Buffalo Nerd Sports Podcast, where we talk history of the game numbers and stats. And each week we highlight a charity that's doing good. If you haven't subscribed yet, then you should, because I'm sick to this, this the, the real deal. And you know I gotta shout out the Buffalo Bills. Turn it up to the max, sit back and relax. This the Buffalo Nerd Sports Podcast. Let go! Hey, what is up, Bills Mafia? Welcome into another episode of the uh, Buffalo Nerd. This is your home for Buffalo Bills football with a charity on top. If it's your first time here, thanks for coming. You picked a great day to be here because I got a celebrity on the other side of the microphone today. So you're going to really enjoy it. If you're a part of the Nerd Mafia already, thanks for being here. Thanks for coming back. Appreciate you guys. It's early on a Monday morning, Victory Monday, off a fresh uh, whooping of the Houston Texans yesterday, which I think most people would have thought was probably going to take place, but... Uh, Pretty at sometimes, real ugly at sometimes, but a win's a win. But before we get into all that kind of stuff, let me introduce the guy on the other side of the mic. I got Sal Capaccio today. Uh, if you don't know him, I'd kind of be surprised. Um, but anyway, Sal, thanks for taking some time out of your Victory Monday for me. Um, why don't you kind of just go ahead and introduce yourself real quick if there is some people that don't happen to know you. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Colt. Really appreciate it. Um, I am the Buffalo Bills beat reporter for WGR for Sports Radio 550. I'm also a host on WGR, and I'm the game day sideline reporter on the Buffalo Bills radio network. So I'm from Buffalo, Chictawaga, actually. Left for a while, was gone for 16 years, lived in Florida, and came back back in 2011 and couldn't be happier. Yeah, I mean, I love the coverage too. And I, I really follow you a lot too because I, I love your pin tweet is the spreadsheet of the roster at all times, what's going on. It's like the because the, the Bills do not take their depth start seriously on the website. Like, so actually, like I go to you to see what's going on most of the time, what's happening. So I uh, really appreciate what you do. I uh, love listening to you and you're great on the sideline uh, in a rainy day yesterday, which was uh, pretty exciting to see. But before we get into all that stuff, like we do every week, we do start out with a charity on the show. Uh, Sal got to choose who we we're going to chat up this week. Um, and you 
Sal decided to go with Real Men Wear Pink. Um, so why don't you kind of just tell me, Sal, a little bit about why you chose them and maybe a little bit about it. Yeah, so Real Men Wear Pink is part of the American Cancer Society's fight against breast cancer. And every October, people, men in the community in some capacity wear pink like I am today. And we have to wear pink. Mm-hmm throughout the month of October in some way, shape, or form. So it's kind of crazy. I got to figure out something that I got to wear that's pink. I got socks that are pink, a tie that's pink, a shirt that's pink. I even wear these uh, I have these pink wristbands a little bit here that I'll show you that are wear. Uh, sometimes I'll put those on. So if I have to cheat it that way, that's what I got to do just to make sure I got my pink on. But it's to help fight breast cancer. Uh, breast cancer has impacted my family. I had an aunt that passed away from breast cancer about 20 years ago, but um, my mother-in-law is currently dealing with stage four breast cancer. I know friends, I have a friend who's not even 40 years old yet. Um, She's dealing with breast cancer right now. So I think somebody out there, everybody out there watching, listening, probably has somebody in their life, friend, family, whatever, who's had to, you know, fight this awful disease. So it's a part of the uh, campaign to raise money. And every month in October, like I said, that's what it is. Real Men Wear Pink. It's through the American Cancer Society. And as part of that, I'm also, I'm kind of like the media spokesperson, I'd say. It's someone who helps out a lot for the Coaches versus Cancer uh, campaign through college basketball. I'm a big college basketball fan. Uh, it's part of this as well. It's all tied into each other. So whenever there's an event, college basketball, uh, Coaches versus Cancer, a lot of times I'm involved with that here in Buffalo, whether it's St. Bonaventure, University of Buffalo, Canisius, Niagara, things like that. And I've gotten to know the coaches and you know we try to help raise money that way. Yeah, I mean, it's an awesome organization. And now you've been doing this for years now, so I'm sure you got a bunch of pink built up that you can get through the month. But I, I like that you're uh, dabbling into the bracelets and getting everything going. It's an awesome cause. And like you mentioned off the top, and we find out pretty much every week, is it's home for somebody. You know, that's why you bring it up is because it's something that you're dealing with and that you've dealt with in your past, you're dealing with today, or you know somebody that is dealing with it. So, and we know breast cancer is, you know, huge. The NFL covers it every year, you know, the entire month. It's a big thing. It's not going away. You know, our moms, our sisters, our wives, everybody's had to deal with it or somebody you know. So very cool. Thanks for bringing that up, Sal. I like the personal stuff. Uh, usually everybody's got a nice little story to go along with it. Yeah. So thanks a lot. And like we do every week. Yeah, go ahead, Sal. Hey, sorry, if I could mention too, um, you know, men can get breast cancer too. And um, right. Kurt Coleman, who played for the Bills a couple of years ago, his father is a breast cancer survivor, actually. So um, men can get breast cancer too. And it's something that everybody should kind of think about. Of course, it mainly affects women, but it, no doubt men can too. And I just think it's important to note that because I think sometimes it gets lost in that a little bit. But if people want to donate to my Real Men Wear Pink campaign, my goal is to raise $2,500 in the month of October. And they can either go to my Real Men Wear Pink page. All you got to do is type in Real Men Wear Pink, Sal Capaccio, or you can check out my Twitter feed. I post some links sometimes. You can Venmo me at Sal Sports. I'll put the donation in, in your name. Or one of the cool ways you can book me on Cameo to say happy birthday to someone, a shout out, a, a talk smack to your friends in your fantasy football league, whatever it is. It's 29 bucks to book. And all the net profits I make through the entire month, I put in your name if you book into my Real Men Wear Pink campaign. Love it. And we'll have links to all that stuff in the show notes so everybody can click right over there and easily get to all those things and do all those things. And I'll be joining in on that sale. So you can count me in on that for okay, sure. Thank you. So let's chat about a little bit of football. So yesterday was, to me, when I was watching the game, um, I actually had uh, Stephanie Stradley from the Houston Chronicle on last week uh, to chat about the Houston Texans a little bit. And she gave me some insight that there was a lot of veteran players on this team. So the more and more I went back and looked at it, I thought the first half could look ugly despite the weather. I just felt like Lovey Smith and Cully might have a little bit of something different going on. And we kind of saw that. It looked ugly. Um, the offense couldn't score in the red zone. It's continuing to kind of be a little bit of a struggle right now. Um, but overall, what was kind of your thoughts from yesterday? Because I thought there was some real ugly, but um, seeing some of the rookies out there, Spencer Brown, I thought had a great game. Boogie getting the sack. There were some nice pieces to this. So what was your overall thoughts? Well, the ugly really came because of the weather, I think. You know, once it dried up, the Bills looked like they were in control the entire way. Um, the first pass of the game, Josh Allen 
I think it was a miscommunication more than anything. It might have been a little bit of weather. Maybe the ball came out of his hand a little bit too high, but it was really more miscommunication. He throws it right to a defender interception. Second pass of the game, definitely weather-related. Comes out of his hand. He overthrows Stefan Diggs on the sideline. But after that, 74% completion rate, 240-whatever yards, a couple of touchdowns. You know, I thought the Bills you know, played a really good game. They ran the ball really well. So it's funny. Like I don't know if I would use the word ugly other than in the weather and the ball being on the ground a little bit too much, I think. What I would say, though, is this team has been really rolling teams and scoring a lot of points, and yet I think it's obvious, Cole. Like, they have not even played their best game on offense yet, right? I mean, there's still there's a lot of meat still left on that bone, even though they've basically scored, what, 35, 43, and 40 points in the last three games. Yeah, I was watching that yesterday when they were showing that stat that's uh, approaching NFL history now with uh, being up by double digits at the first half for like six consecutive games in a row. Now, it might be a little more of a challenge this upcoming week with Kansas City, but it feels weird to say it, right? Because you're like, oh, it doesn't look that great. But you go back and look at it and it goes, well, that not, not that great. And we're still crushing teams right now, which now granted... It's been two backup quarterbacks, essentially, and we, we've got some things going our way. But uh, I want to ask you this a little bit because you're in the scene a little bit. The Poyer and the Feliciano stuff, do you think that was a little more just kind of thinking ahead for next week, thinking maybe we give them a little more rest time and see what these younger guys can do against maybe a little bit of a team that we thought we might be able to handle? No, I don't think Sean McDermott operates that okay. way. If, if guys are available to play, they're going to play. I mean, look, I mean, Jordan Poyer has played 60 straight games. Uh, he doesn't want to miss a game. If he's ready to play, he's going to play. Now, I do think that it's not just because Kansas City. I do think that, you know, why rush him back if there's a chance that maybe he could re-injure something? Um, you know, so I think you have to have the long-term view. Since it's early in the season, there's 17 games. I think, you know, McDermott knows it's a marathon, not a sprint. They don't want to risk anything. But if those guys were ready to play, they would play. Now, sure, you have to think about, you know, all the things that go into the entire season. And But I don't think it's just, hey, it's the Houston Texans. I think, can't think you can have that mentality. Now, as far as Feliciano's concerned, he got a concussion in practice, obviously, because he wasn't listed on the injury report early in the week, and then he was later in the week. So in that situation, there's nothing you can do. Once you're in the concussion protocol, then he has to sit out, and he's in the concussion protocol until he clears certain benchmarks. So look, at the end of the day, it's good to get a look at other players, but I don't think the Bills want to be in the habit of doing that. If their players are available, they're going to play. Yeah. Were you a little stunned by the shakeup with Brown being outside and Williams moving inside, or did you anticipate we'd see something like that? So, you know, what's funny is, Cole, like, we had an inclination in the media from things we saw at practice, but we're not allowed to report on those kinds of things. Uh, we can't tell you, you know, who's lining up where and things like that. It's, it's against media protocols and rules. So I kind of had an inclination that could happen. We don't watch the whole practice, but from some things I saw and other media saw, we kind of knew that might be coming. Um, so it wasn't a surprise from that standpoint. But just seeing it out there, I was surprised, yes. I, I didn't think that that would happen. You think about it. I mean, John Feliciano's out. You would think, okay, Ike Butker goes in. You still have Cody Ford. For, for Cody Ford not to start, even with John Feliciano out, was pretty telling. I mean, right now, that's a guy right now they obviously don't have as much faith in to be a starting guard when you move in, you know, Daryl Williams. And I think it also speaks highly of what they think about Spencer Brown. They really like Spencer Brown, and he's probably the future right tackle of this team. Yeah, I thought he performed pretty well yesterday. I mean, obviously some things. I like his energy. You see him finishing runs. He's down the field. Both the tackles a lot yesterday were down the field finishing runs, which was good. I think for me, moving forward, establishing that run is kind of the trigger piece to beat Kansas City. I think if we can run and we can stop the run, that's really what we've been missing. I think we can score with Kansas City. It's just kind of what we've been missing. On the defensive side of the ball, it's lights out. I mean, it's just it's absurd what they're doing over there right now. Uh, is this going to continue against the higher echelon teams? Are you seeing what I'm seeing? I mean, this feels like a 19 defense. It feels like the defense at the end of last season 
continued right on and we're moving and grooving. I can't imagine they'd shut out the Kansas City Chiefs, right? I mean, two right. shutouts in four games, but you know that's a pretty high standard there. But it, it's crazy to get a shutout in the league, and they've done it now twice in four weeks, but uh, twice in three weeks, really. But right. but yeah, I, I mean, they're playing so well right now. I, I give them a fighting chance to you know hold Kansas City down to what we normally see from the Chiefs. But man. We've seen this movie, you know, the Chiefs are so good. They have, they have Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. And last year they came to Buffalo and the Bills, I thought had a good game plan to kind of just blanket everything and let them be short and run the ball. But guess what? They took advantage and ran the heck right. out of the football. And you, know, you don't want that to happen. Then you go to Kansas City last year and that speed just showed up on the Kansas City side of the ball. And Tyree Kill and Nicole Hardman, you know, they really hurt the Bills. So yeah, it's a really good defense. They're playing an incredible clip right now, but this is a new challenge. Last week, yesterday against the Houston Texans, that was JV versus varsity, basically. You know, I mean, that was not a team that was in the same classification as the Bills. This is a heavyweight fight, and the Bills are going to have to score with them because it's going to be tough to keep this offense down. And they haven't been able to score with Kansas City the last couple of times. Josh hasn't played as well. The offense hasn't played as well. They really haven't put their best foot forward and played really well against the Chiefs. So this is a game where they're going to have to do that, and the Chiefs' defense is ripe. It's right there for it. They are not playing good football right now. Yeah, I was just going to bring that out. I mean, right now, they've been letting everybody score on them. So it feels like even if we come like close to what we've been playing at, we should be able to score on this team. And you know, I think last year in the playoffs, we're one like swing pass away that Devin Singletary doesn't drop it. I mean, that changes maybe the whole complexion of that game. I thought we did have a game plan built for them there. Uh, they do look like they're struggling a little bit trying to find their way right now. And I think that's a perfect opportunity for us. And I don't think I anticipated that we could potentially – separate ourselves by two games of Kansas City this early on in the season with a big win in their building. But it's going to take a lot. And think about it this way. I mean, if they win this game, the Bills, they move to four and one. And as you just referenced, Kansas City then you know, would go to two and three. And three. the Bills would have yeah. head-to-head, right? I mean, yep. they would be two and a half games up, essentially three games up because of it. It would be pretty amazing, actually. So yeah, and look, at the end of last season after losing, Brandon Bean told us in the media that, you know, he told the players the stated goal of the organization coming into 2021 would be to host the AFC Championship game, to make sure the road to the Super Bowl goes through Buffalo. You want that to happen? This is the game where you may have to make sure that you win to say, hey, yes, there's a lot of football left. We all know anything can happen. But boy, they would really have the inside track on hosting that AFC Championship game at the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in looking at the schedule, this is one of the only teams that I'm looking at that could potentially be a number one seed that we're going to get to play during the season to kind of separate ourselves. We'll get Denver in there and some other teams that are playing well right now, but I don't think they're truly contenders for the number one seed like the Chiefs may be. I mean, we'll get maybe the Chargers could be up there, teams like that. But I really do feel this is, especially if you can go into their building, you can do it in front of everybody when you haven't been able to. And the reason I brought up the run a little bit is because I feel like Josh gets amped up for this game a little too much. And we see kind of that sugar rush Josh when he first comes out. And the way that we've come out and kind of the 12 personnel and just been like, look, we're going to run on you right now. And we're just going to see if we can do it before we try throwing it all over the place. To me, that's going to be the big key for this game besides getting to the passer. Right. Well, I tell you, I, from what I saw from Jalen Hurts beating them through the air yesterday, though, I don't know. I'd be fine with Josh Allen just sitting back and throwing the ball all day. I mean, that's fine. Yeah. They can run the ball, and if they can, stick to it. But to me, from what the Chiefs have allowed through the air with some of the quarterbacks that have done it against them so far, I wouldn't be surprised if Brian Dable goes and says, look, I have Josh Allen, and I'm going to dare you to stop him and the receivers. A little bit of the Seattle Seahawks from last year just come out and just start slinging it every single play until they can stop it. I mean, well, that's, who, that's where the Bills kind of are, right? I mean, that's what they do. They yeah. throw the ball mostly. But look, the running game has looked really good so far. 
And I think the Bills are very confident right now in what they have in Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. If they can control it, the clock a little bit, keep Patrick Mahomes off the field, there's no doubt. I think you're right. They would want to do that for sure. But I, I think the strength of this Bills offense is still 17 throwing the football. And, you know, given, like I said, the, the struggles the Chiefs have had, they're pretty much last or almost last in every major statistical category in defense but especially against the pass. I think they're 29th or 30th in yards per play and passing giving up. And you know that, that that allows for some big chunk plays maybe for the Bills to try and get down the field. Yeah, I mean, Hertz took them for, what, 350-something yeah. yesterday, I think. And 348, the only, like that. The yeah. thing out of that game was they didn't stop Tyreek Hill. I mean, that's plain yeah. and simple. That's what happened in that game, right? You go and look at those stats, and it's like Tyreek Hill just took over. He said, I'm going to put up close to 200 yards today, and you're not going to do anything about it. Is our defense really – because Trey, he's he's looked good. I thought he's looked good. I thought he played well against Cooks. He really took out kind of their, like, top option yesterday. Um, is he going to be enough to keep Hill under a check? I mean, the one game we really controlled both of them last year, and then the other game they both blew us apart. Where do you see it coming up in this time? It's going to be tough. I mean, Matt Milano's injury, Jordan Poyer's injury. Yep, yep. We'll find out more. So who knows what they do with Tredavis White. They put him on Tyree Kill. I would expect that. I think that, but – not totally sure. We'll see where it goes, but those are the injuries to monitor. It's Monday. We haven't heard from Sean McDermott yet. You know, we'll get an update throughout the week on Milano and Poyer, and that would be obviously something to uh, to watch on that. Yeah, did you feel the uh, the back end guys stepped in and played pretty decently behind Poyer yesterday? Oh my gosh, I mean, it's not I like mean, they were really challenged, but yeah, but Jaquan Johnson played fantastic yeah. at his first NFL yeah, interception. Game, right? I think Cam Lewis yeah. played incredibly yesterday, and you know he he filled in for Taron Johnson, obviously. And there's a guy in the practice squad they call up that just shows you the organizational depth that this team has right now. It's pretty crazy to have a guy like that come in and play the way he did. But not even he can't even make the active roster on a weekly basis. Right. He showed up in some big time backfield. He hit some guys in the backfield a couple times yesterday. I thought he played real well, too. Did you hear the uh, comment yesterday that they made about when Milano went out that they're like, but Klein came in and it's like, it's kind of just like barely a step down from Milano? Um, I didn't know. I'm on the broadcast. I don't know if who said that, the TV? Yeah, it was out over the TV oh, broadcast. Yeah. I think it was Tiki. Tiki did, and he was like, oh, yeah, it's like a barely a little step down. And I was like, huh? Wow. I'm on the radio broadcast, so I'm not watching the TV, obviously. So, um, but no, I didn't hear that, but it's a step down. But look, when AJ Klein is in there, the Bills have done a great job of fitting the defense to his strengths. He's more right. straight line, straight up the field, whereas Matt Milano sideline to sideline. I think in that respect, you know, you're not losing much from you know what you what you can do if you use him to his strengths, but he's certainly not, to me, the level of athlete or at this point what Matt Milano could do out there overall as a football player. So speaking of staying in the linebacker spot, we haven't really faced a tight end yet that's been real, real good this season. So we haven't really been exposed. It was kind of an Achilles heel a little bit last year where the tight ends would eat us up here and there. Kelsey's coming in off a slow game. Uh, that typically means he's kind of going to heat up in the next game. Is the, is the tight end going to be an issue for us in this game? I'll just go back to what I said, and I think it depends on Milano and Poyer. Who knows, right? I mean, like, but he's definitely hurt the Bills. But um, Milano was a guy tasked with covering the tight end a lot last year, and there were times where uh, that didn't go so well. But I think Matt's a really good cover linebacker, but Travis Kelsey's mm -hmm. amazing. I mean, he beats everybody, right. right? I mean, it's not a Matt Milano or Bills thing. It's Travis Kelsey thing. But Jordan Poyer's done that a lot this year. He's actually been on tight ends. And again, unfortunately, because we're doing this on Monday, I you know we don't have as good of a handle on you know what's going to happen with Milano and Poyer, but... If, if you want to stop Travis Kelsey, you better have at least one. If both of those guys are unable to play, that's going to be a real uphill battle for the Buffalo Bills. Absolutely. Uh, so last year, we basically saw that we couldn't get to Patrick Mahomes, right? So this offseason, we spent the draft picks. We bring in, we kind of retooled off the defensive line. It looks good so far. Are you seeing enough of what you think it's going to take to stop Patrick Mahomes? Because I know everybody was always kind of, 
You got to have that outside rush. For me, I, I think that it needs to be like we saw Ed Oliver in the backfield this week. We saw Star with the sack this week. Those two guys to me are kind of like the real pieces of this because if you push him and he comes up, they've got to control that pocket. So is this defensive line more built ready for this? So obviously I think they are more built to be able to do it. What the defensive line has done with Greg Rousseau, Boogie Basham, as you mentioned, like those guys, I think they've really added AJ Vanessa. Like he looks really good. But man, it's still ta- you're still talking about Patrick Mahomes, right? And you're still talking about Andy Reid, and they're going to have a good game plan. And we don't know, you know, last year we saw what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers could do, but also know that Mahomes was dealing with the toe injury as well. So I do think they're more equipped for it, yes. But boy, you're just talking about an all-world player here in Patrick Mahomes. And for anybody to think the Bills can just, hey, they're playing better, let's go in there, and you know they're going to be able to get them down. I mean, that's the goal. That that's was the stated goal to 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 bridge that gap to to get those pass rushers. But who knows? I mean, you're talking about a great player here and a great coach, and it's going to be tough no matter what. But I do think they're more equipped for it, for sure, especially because the length that they now have um, with Rousseau and Boogie Basham and F.A. Obata, if he's active and guys like that. Right, and we, uh, we've seen this defense turning teams over early on this season, and Mahomes and the Chiefs have been having some turnover struggles early on in the season. You imagine that they'll be ready for this, though, right? I mean, as much as you want to go back and look at all the other weeks and, oh, they played bad here, they did this bad – None of that matters to them at this point. It's defending their home dirt with the Buffalo Bills who are trying to take you off of the number one seed and you're going to defend your dirt. You're going to be ready, right? So either way, I'm expecting a knockout kind of fight, a little similar to what we saw last night. Not that the Patriots are like that big heavyweight contender right now, but the little back and forth, the true battle of good coaches, good football teams, and hopefully it's going to be a great game like we've seen. But do you think that this is the time? Is this the week that the Bills do finally get over this hump? I guess I'll save my prediction for later in the week, but I think they have, you know what, Colt, they have as good of a shot as any to win this week. They really do. I mean, I, I just did my radio show this morning on, on WGR and I said, look, I mean, if you're going to do it, now's the time, right? If you can't beat the Chiefs with this offense as currently constructed and their defense not playing the way you know that they're expecting, I don't know, man, I don't know when it's going to come, but I'm going to also tell you this, just so people know, like, I know you're younger than me, you don't remember this, but I remember during the Super Bowl years, the Bills, they had all these Hall of Famers and Jim Kelly and Thurman Thomas and Bruce Smith and Andre Reid and all those guys. And yet the Chiefs, they were very good at the time. And the Bills would go to Arrowhead at night games and would get blasted because it's a hard place to play. It doesn't matter. This this game will not define their season. It will go right. a long way in determining what might happen at the end of the season, you know, for games and things like that. But if they lose, their season's not over. And I'm telling you, it's still a challenge to go to Arrowhead in a night game to be able to win. And even those teams with Jim Kelly and all those Hall of Famers, they just got rolled when they went to Arrowhead in night games back in the 90s. Yeah, I was in my teen, young teens for those years. So I, I got to watch a lot of you those games. It. But that's how, the NFL, that's how the NFL is. I mean, it's truly, as much as you have a really good football team, we just watched Tom Brady almost get beat by Mac Jones last night, right? So, I mean, it's anything's possible, right? This is the NFL. But when you walk into somebody else's building like that, it is hard to win there. We, for the longest time, couldn't win there before we finally broke through and like crushed them a few years back there before Mahomes, right? That was all prior to Mahomes. But I'm excited for this game. I think that this is the closest we've been. Uh, to ready to do it, especially early in the season when everything's not there. But I'm not going to be disappointed if we lose this game. Uh, to me, I'm still looking at the AFC East. Uh, the Bills are at the top, and everybody else is trending downward. And as long as we get to punch our ticket to get in the door, then we got a chance to take them down later in the year as well. So can I get one like surprise guy for you this season that you would have kind of been like off season? You're like, I really think he's going to have a good year. 
and he's actually doing it. Cause for me, it's Dawson Knox. He's just, he's, he's trending. He's doing all the right things. He was getting just tons of bad negative talk about him all off season. He's not going to do it. He's not ready. This needs to be his year. And all he's doing is just connecting and, and making great plays. A- anybody for you really standing out? I think Dawson's a good one, but I'll go to AJ Epinesa. I mean, yeah. look, I know that the sack numbers haven't been there the last couple of weeks, but oh my gosh, like this guy is absolutely, you know, showing that he belongs and he can play in this league. And what he did against Miami, obviously, was just all over the place and getting after the quarterback. But, you know, for a guy who last year essentially didn't play much, he had almost a redshirt year. He did play a little bit as the season went on. He got a little bit more on his plate, but a lot of question marks about, oh, really, the weight, what's he going to do? And he comes in and the Bills have done a great job of developing him and had this plan for him. And he's really rewarded them through four games, I think. Yeah, I thought he's played really well. The whole, a lot of the young defensive guys are looking real good. Oliver's had a good start to the season for me. He was another one of those key pieces where if he could turn it and keep going, we'd be in real good shape. Let me ask you, so the, the AFC, we've got the Raiders sitting at the top. Denver was at the top before yesterday. They'll still be up there. Is this current state of what we're seeing in the AFC, is this is how the AFC is going to be this year? Or are we going to finally see the cream kind of start to rise back to the top? Because Baltimore looked yesterday like they could be in serious trouble and then they just handled Denver, right? Like no problem. So is it still to you in your eyes? Because when I started the season, it was for me, it was Kansas City, Buffalo, Baltimore, Tennessee. Any one of them could have really been in the mix. Do you think those teams minus Tennessee maybe at this point with their injuries, those teams are going to be there, right? Cleveland, those guys? Yeah, the AFC I think is... um it's tougher than the NFC overall with the you know teams as competitively. You know, I think the NFC is a little more top heavy, but yeah, maybe it's a little more wide open. But I think the AFC is better actually. I think actually the Rams and the Bucks are showing now that maybe they aren't as good in the class. But to get to the AFC, I don't see the Raiders sticking there for a long time. Denver showed, you know, that they're not as good as they were playing their first three games. Obviously, they're playing teams that weren't that good those three weeks. But to me, like the Raiders are kind of like a team that's really hot or cold. And right now they're hot. They could very well be cold. And yes, Kansas City should rise back up. You know, Cleveland's interesting. That's a tough division. I think Cleveland, Baltimore, Cincinnati are all going to be there. And who is Pittsburgh? They come to Buffalo week one. They haven't been very good ever since. I don't think they were even that good in Buffalo, to be quite honest, but they got some plays. They, you know, took advantage of that and give them all the credit. So I do think we'll start to see it flip a little bit because you're seeing some of the teams like Kansas City a little bit already at the bottom. I think Pittsburgh will probably at least be able to compete a little bit more than they have last couple of weeks. I don't know. That's a tough one. But uh, yeah, I, I think that you're going to start to see, especially because even right now, the Bills are actually in the three seed, I believe, if you go look through the standing because of the way the tiebreakers right. work. At the end of the day, it's probably Kansas City and Buffalo fighting for that number one seed once we get to December. Yeah, like that. I agree with all that. I keep waiting for the Raiders to do the Raider thing, and they're, they're going to find their way to do something wrong. I thought Miami would get them last week. It felt like that was the week it would take place. But top to bottom, I, I still think that we will see it. I might be Baltimore. Tonight. It's Monday night. Yeah, right? I mean, I don't know when this is airing, but it might happen against the Chargers because Chargers are a pretty good team too. And I think the West is going to yes. be pretty competitive. Yeah, I actually, when I did my preseason stuff, I actually had the Chargers as only losing like four games this year. I mean, I, just looking at their schedule and who they get to play compared to who somebody else is playing, they're a very good football team. And Herbert's a stud over there as well. So, but we're basically uh, getting up against it here, Sal. So I really want to tell you thank you for coming on and spending some time with me. Um, you got anything uh, coming up this week? Obviously, this show will air on Friday um, when we're all said and done. So you'll be doing your regular stuff throughout the week. But you got anything uh, special you want to shout out, anything like that? Well, thank you again for giving me the platform to talk about Real Men Wear Pink once again. If you want a cameo, just find me on Cameo at Sal Sports. I'll do a video for you, a shout out uh, to somebody, whatever, a birthday. I've been doing a lot of them this week. Talk smack to your friends, fantasy football. Maybe you have a, an opponent coming up on the bill schedule, a friend, 
a buddy of yours that you want to do that, it's fine. It's 29 bucks and all the net profits go towards my Real Men Wear Pink campaign. You can Venmo me at Sell Sports as well. But uh, I'm on WGR 10 to 12 every day. WGR Sports Radio 550. Find us on the Odyssey app. Even you who live out west, you can listen every morning. My brother lives out yep. west in Oregon. He gets up in the morning. He listens to my show. Um, so you can do that as well. And we'll have a lot of stuff for you. We'll be covering this game you know, all through the week for sure. A lot of stuff on it. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine this week you're going to have a shortage of looking anywhere where you're not going to hear about the Bills and the Chiefs facing off on Sunday Night Football this week. I mean, it's going to be everywhere. It's going to be highlighted everywhere. It's going to be talked about nonstop like it's a Super Bowl, right? Like it's a, it is an AFC Championship rematch that could potentially be the AFC Championship this year. So going to be exciting stuff. I'm really happy with the way the team's performing so far. I'm still caught in the quarters thing. So we came out of the quarters three and one. The Pittsburgh one disgusts me. I don't get it. I was kind of talking crap about Pittsburgh all offseason. And then they, if Josh Allen played even like a tenth better, we win that football game. And so, whatever though, three and one, we'll take it. We're moving it's forward. It's week one. And it's, as you noted earlier, it's football. Anything can happen, right? I mean, that's the way it goes. And the Bills still played better than them for the most part. They had a few plays and they give them credit for that. But I, I'm going to say this to you, Colt. Like, I'm not one to say, oh, a loss is the best thing that ever happened to a team. I think a loss is a loss. But I will tell you, if they don't go through that week one, what they went through, I don't think they play as well as they have the last three weeks. I do think it kind of gave them a renewed focus and a, re a reminder of, hey, we can't just roll out of bed and beat everybody to get to the AFC Championship game. Right. I really like that. I was saying that the whole leading up to it, too. The only week you really wouldn't want to play Pittsburgh would be week one, because after that, you would get a look at what they wanted to do, and then that might change everything. But they caught us on a good week. But let's get you out of here. I know you got a busy day today. So everybody that's listening in, thanks so much. Uh, we'll make sure we got links to all the sales stuff over there so you guys can help support this uh, during the month of October for Real Men Wear Pink and you know breast cancer awareness in general and everything like that. And for everything I'm up to, you guys can find me over at buffalonerd.com. And of course, go Bills. Review and subscribe so you never miss another episode. We'll see you next time. Leg out. I'm Shelby, and I'm from Reynoldsburg, Ohio. So what was broken on my car was really unique, and they did a wonderful job at tracking it down and had it there the next day and fixed. 3C dealt with my insurance, so I just got to sit back, and they took care of everything. I had my car back within a week, then somebody else hit it, and now I find myself back at 3C Body Shop. I would recommend 3C to family, friends, and anybody who's been an ex. 3C Body Shop, the finest in collision repair. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.